0: Hey guys, before we get started, you'll notice that I have a new co-host, Steve.
1: Hey everyone, happy to be here.
0: We will very much miss Josh's nerdy analog charm, but Steve and I will be bringing you the same great episodes. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Kodakery. I'm Megan.
1: And I'm Steve.
0: This week, you're in for a treat as we talk with photographer Brian Kelly about his work photographing the champion trees of North America. You'll learn what a champion tree is, why he shoots them on large format, and what it's like for him to work on a long-term project like this. So, let's jump into the Kodakery and talk with Brian. Brian, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: And we are going to be talking to you about um, this project that you're doing that you've entitled Gathering Growth, (laughs) in which you are going on the road taking pictures of what's called champion trees. And so let's start by just, let's tell people what a champion tree is before we get any further.
2: <laughs> yeah, a champion tree is nominated as the largest of its species. So every single tree that's native to North America, that's what I'm focusing on at the moment. And um, basically you have these people, that like state coordinators in each state They go around their state and measure trees. And the way you do that is you start with uh, the circumference at breast height. And then, so your circumference you do in inches. And then you do the height of the tree in feet. And then you do the average crown spread. So you go north to south of the longest branches and then east to west. And you add those numbers up and divide it by four. And then you put all those points together. So each tree gets Points. and so people do this all across the country and every year submit these numbers to American Forest which is a nonprofit organization that I work with that I'm partnered with on this project to go around and photograph every single national champion tree.
1: Wow! Yeah. yeah amazing how did this project begin for you particularly?
2: Just by going to the west coast like the, the whole northwest is really unbelievable as far as the amount of old growth that's still around growing up on the east coast there's there's nothing like that out there so the first time i went out and saw big trees it was just like you know you get you get all excited you're like a little kid again because you're seeing something for the first time and you know you start googling big trees giant trees and eventually i found champion trees and then i found american forest and i found this um, this register that they have which holds all the information but one thing i noticed is that all the photos were like cell phone photos there was nothing that gave like you know it none none of it really like gave the trees the respect that they deserved you know these were the largest of their species and i know that sounds like a little corny or whatever but it's just like you have a 1200 year old tree and You have a cell phone photo of it. It's not really paying it that much respect. So that's where I saw the opportunity to, you know, as a photographer, everyone's always looking for new ideas or new projects. And this was something that really sparked my interest and started going down that whole rabbit hole of research and made contact with them and American Forest and you know, they, at first they were like, "Yeah, yeah, we totally want you to do it. We have no money though, so you're <laughs> on your own with that. We'll support you with in any way we can." And it was it was interesting at first. They uh, they had to do background checks on me because the locations of these trees that they're sharing they're really sensitive areas. Whether it's an old growth forest that barely sees any foot traffic, you know, where you have these the the soil is like. It feels like you're walking on the moon because it's so soft and rich. And then there's other areas that are just, you know, normal, like a playground, which totally I've, I've been to and photographed. <laughs> so they, they did a background check on me and I cleared out. And yeah, so that was about a year and a half ago that all of that happened. And then um, in January or February of last year, of 2000, of 2018, actually, yeah, I guess this year, shit. Huh. Um, <laughs> yeah. How many, mixed up. how
1: many champion trees cool. have you photographed already?
2: Um, so far in the year that I've been really on it, I think I've got about fifty-two trees.
1: And there's
0: a total of seven hundred ninety-five documented. Is that accurate? Yeah, we were just yeah.
2: To... I mean that that yeah that number goes up and down a lot every year actually because new nominations happen right. and um, some trees actually might. You know, if a tree dies and they don't find another one to replace it, it's, that number just kind of goes away, you know? Wow. Um, so it all depends on, like, the people that are out there actually, like, doing the work, finding the trees, nominating them. I mean, it's all, it's, a, it's a lot of field research, and most of these people don't get paid for it unless they are working for the state forestry or um, U.S. Forest Service, you know? But... There's a lot of people that I've met on my trip so far that are just doing this for free, and it's pretty amazing.
0: So are Um, are, they—is the point of having this registry to protect them? I mean, are they protected by any sort of, like, federal forestry program or something of that nature, or is it just to know where they are?
2: Yeah, uh, unfortunately, there really isn't any protection. If you're if it's if if they are a champion tree, um, I actually ran into that a week ago. I went to go photograph in Portland. There was on like the corner of a street. There was national champion Pacific dogwood, and I, it, the photo that my friend had showed me, that found it and measured it. His name is Brian French. He's the state coordinator in Oregon. He sent it to me, and I was like, "Oh man, I got to go photograph it. It looks so good at like this time in the fall. The leaves are all red." And got to the intersection where the tree was, and there was a brand new condo there instead.
3: Oh wow! Um,
2: yeah, in like the last six months, it had totally been the whole area had been developed. Oh, what a um, shame. so yeah, there the, the, there is no protection, and and I guess that's another part of why I'm doing this project. Is you know, in a way, sometimes development is, like you can't you can't slow it down. I mean, it's just like it's part of growth of humans i guess or whatever it's like you know like populations rising it's like are you going to save a tree or are you going to build a house that a family can live in it's it's a really it's a hard thing to say whether what's right or what's wrong
3: yeah I um
2: i I think if someone if like a department had gotten involved like an environmental department you might have been able to like save the tree Mm. and just like figure out a way to build a build around it i'm not really sure but um you know, going there and, like, talking with the construction worker. And I'm, I was like, hey, like, do you think I could photograph this building? Like, it's just kind of, like, this interesting, like, if you were looking through, a, like, a book of all of these trees that I eventually want to do, and all of a sudden you came, and there's, like, a building there. But then, there like, underneath was the line of Texas and former national champions. Right, that would be powerful. I, I, yeah. Exactly, and that's what I was going for. So, but there was probably about, like, 10 or 12, construction workers like just around the whole area so i wanted to make sure it was cool then even though i know that i had like every right to photograph from across the street right but it kind of got like that weird feeling that i might get confrontation so i went over to like break the ice and the guy kindly basically just told me to piss off because he just looked at it as me trying to get him in trouble mm. and then it became a political thing because then he saw my van and it has new york plates on it and mm. then called me out as a democrat <laughs> so it was wow. just like yeah i mean it was it was a bad situation but it's like these kind of situations that you know it's like okay well why was that guy so like upset about that or like why did he feel threatened about me taking a photo of a place that used to be a tree
3: i
0: think that's pretty telling about where we're at right now <laughs> yeah
2: yeah totally um, um so yeah that, I, that was that's was one of the more recent experiences Jeez.
1: is there a replacement tree already for that one that was cut down yeah. yeah
2: yeah so i'm gonna go try to find that one in the next like couple of weeks here i believe and um,
1: where are you right now it. like you're you're on the it's, road so
2: well right now i'm in portland
0: So how are you, Um, how are you plotting out your um, travels? Because, you know, it's interesting prior to you coming (laughs) onto this project, they were using cell phones and, you know, they weren't really thinking about taking an image that would capture the beauty of the tree. And now here you are. And I heard you mention like, Oh, I should go there during this time because of the leaves. And so are you taking all of that into consideration and sort of like plotting out this trek.
2: Yeah, totally. It's, It's not easy, (laughs) you know, because there are, there's like, I think this year on the registry, there were uh, 778 national champions. So the number went down just because I think a few had died or they hadn't been re-nominated. But, you know, everything's seasonally, you know, like dogwoods bloom in early spring. And then, but dogwoods also lose their, or like turn their leaves in the fall. So like, which one do you want? Mm-hmm. Same with, like, oak oak trees or maples um, or, like, even certain uh, um, coniferous trees that basically, you know, they'll have, like, their leaves will turn gold um, in, like, the early fall. So it, it's it's definitely taking a lot of that into consideration because it's, it's hard because, like, most of these people that go out and take photos of the trees or, like, go out and measure the trees, they're just going out and they're just doing her you know, the sake of documentation where I'm also doing that, but I'm also trying to create a beautiful image. So it's, it definitely is a lot more time consuming.
1: Yeah. Can you talk more about that process? Because you're, you're not just capturing the tree, like you're, you're getting, uh, audio, you're getting like photos on, of the leaves, as well as the tree itself. Like, can you talk about that Mm -hmm. and and how you're, Uh, capturing that
2: yeah so really early on like my background for the last couple years in photography has been more in the archival um, aspect where i for almost seven years collected new york city transit ephemera pieces and more recently a national park map so i always like to have some sort of system with my photography and like make sure that like Every time I get to a tree, there's like steps I have to take in order for like me to be like happy with what I've done there. Um, so, with the with the trees that I've been going to now since I started this project in July, would be getting to the tree, doing measurements, um, remeasuring off of what the um, current measurements are. Basically, like checking to see if the tree grew. When was the last time this tree was measured? They have a ten-year rule with trees within American forests, where if a tree hasn't been measured within ten years of its nomination, then it'll be dethroned because
3: wow.
2: there's it's suspect. It's suspect that like maybe a storm knocked it over, maybe it just died, maybe mm-hmm. it's lost branches, which means it loses points. Wow. Maybe the crown of the tr- maybe the top of the tree blew off in a storm. So that way, it's not as tall as it used to be. all these factors in with like you know a tree can't be a champion its whole life you know basically unless it's been continually checked on so um that's the first thing so it's like i get to a tree and i check okay when was the last time that somebody measured it do i need to measure it and you know i'm not like a trained arborist or any of that it's it's or a forester so I can't say that I am like this authority with trees, but I definitely have taken up a strong interest in it, and it's become more of like a passion at this point. Um, so measure the tree, check all the points, and then I'll usually just kind of walk around it for a while and take photos of it digitally, see what angles are looking best. And then um, once I do that, I'll just wait for the light, see what's going on. Usually. With all the trees, I'll try to either photograph them at sunrise or sunset. So, you know, whether that's me getting to the tree, camping near the tree and waking up at dawn and just spending like almost five to six hours with it. Um, then recording audio, so I'll usually do about anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour of audio. And it's it's been really cool, like getting all the different hours of the day with audio at different trees, whether it's like... You know, there's certain trees that are champions that are tourist destinations. So you get like, you right. know, crazy crowds and like kids yelling and like moms being like, "Get over there! Like, <laughs> I'm gonna the you next to the big tree." You know, <laughs> it's, it's it's pretty funny. Uh, and then also like, there's been times where like, I went and photographed the national champion western juniper out in the Lost Forest, and it was like one of the first times ever that I that there was nothing. There was no sound, not even an airplane. It was mm. insane.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, so that audio is actually, like, kind of spooky. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> yeah, it, it's pretty cool. So that's a part of it. And then, um, you know, hopefully the light's awesome. <laughs> and I'll start just setting up 4x5 and moving around the tree like I did with the digital. And then once I can find my shots, I'll stay there, do a couple different exposures and then just kind of keep moving until I feel like I've really captured the whole tree. Um, Most of the time, digitally, I'll go around it, you know, full rotation around it, getting every angle of the tree, getting, like, tight shots of the crown of the tree, which is the top. I'll try to get, depending on if I'm in, like, in a wide open area or, like, dense forest, I'll try to get the full tree, which is always it has got to be hard there.
0: We're talking about champions here.
2: (laughs) Exactly. I mean, well, that's the other thing is, like, sometimes, like, I mean, like, just because it's it's a champion doesn't mean it's huge. Like, I photographed um, in Oregon, I photographed the largest sagebrush. Which like you think about sage and like you go to the supermarket right. and you get a little like that counts as you know free. you got a whole
3: you,
2: yeah <laughs> yeah you go you go to like Whole Foods and you can get this little sage Sprig. brush but yeah. this one th- yeah this one is like 13 feet tall it's insane uh, which like if any like that doesn't exist anywhere uh, that one was pretty amazing so you can get really small ones or you can get enormous ones that are like 300 feet tall right. yeah so that's 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 kind of The process um and then yeah towards the end right right as like i'm done photographing everything i'll try to find a leaf sample um or needles or seeds or maybe even a branch if i find that there's like a weird growth on the branch or something and then bringing that back to the van where i have a little still life set up and i'll do um i have like a piece of white plexi and then a couple uh flash heads and i'll just photograph that just as far as like having this full documentation of the tree mm.
0: so let's spend a little time talking about the your use of large format why did you choose to do it on large format
2: the decision to make all these images with large format film probably came just because of the quality mm-hmm. i mean first and foremost the quality of large formats is pretty unbelievable um even comparing like the digital files to the large format, um, like high-res scans off, of, like, in or like that, it's, it's unreal. But then also for me, I think it came just from the amount of time that I wanted to spend at each tree. And y- you look at like most tourists or anyone like that. So they just, they just go and they just take a photo and they get the photo and then they're, they're happy because they get to see what they shot instantly. Whereas, when you're shooting with large format it's it just slows the whole process down, especially when you start thinking about that each photo is like twelve to fifteen dollars right. um, you know between like film cost and processing and everything um, so you get you know you gotta slow your whole process down and then also the other i think this for me was the biggest factor in wanting to shoot large format was being able to spend as much time with these trees as possible. You know, you have, like, some of these trees that are, like, most of them are probably between 100 to 500 years old, and then you get every once in a while, you get those ones that are, like, over a 1,000 or maybe even, like, 2,000 years old, and those ones are really amazing, but I just also felt like it was this, like, part respect for the tree when you're going to photograph something that's been around that long, because... You go there and you just, like, you take advantage of the tree, I think, if you're shooting it just digitally. Whereas when you're taking film, or shooting film, it's, like, you know, spending three to four hours waiting for the light and not just, like, taking a million shots.
1: How many uh, images do you usually take on large format of the tree?
2: I mean, it it depends, really, on, like... I know this probably sounds, like, rude to the tree, but, like, how photogenic the tree is. (laughs) Um, Hey, man, trees have
3: feelings.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But I think, like, yeah, I would would just say, honestly, like, how photogenic the tree is and, you know, really trying to find different angles of it. And, you know, maybe sometimes not just doing the most, like, straight-up trunk shots, which is, mostly what I do just because certain ones are like in such dense forest that like there aren't many other options. So it's like getting to this tree and it's that dense of a forest. Like you don't have many shots. So maybe like four shots just for different Mm -hmm. exposures. Um, But then there's been some where I get to and like the light's amazing and you get to have the full spectrum. And like, there's like this old farmhouse in the background and there's all these little details. And you know, that might be like, or like 10 or 15 frames yeah
1: Yeah. what are some of the most uh photogenic trees that you've come across so far and where are those
2: just recently uh actually last week i went and photographed um, the national champion noble fir which is up in uh, washington it was this whole area that's at like kind of near mount saint helens and it was like, somehow, like, survived, like, the eruption and all this and also survived, like, the logging because the people that were surveying the land, like, they loved this little plot, this little grove of noble firs and Douglas firs, and there's some hemlocks in there. Um, that whole area was, like, a pure old-growth forest where I have—you barely—you don't really come across those too much, and that was probably one of my favorite ones that I've had recently— Um, also the Western juniper again in the lost forest, like I mentioned before with the audio, just because you, you had this feeling when you were photographing it, like the person that measured it just probably like went, measured it, that's it. Maybe took some photos, but like I woke up at 5am and was there till noon with this tree and
0: you're essentially hanging out with it.
2: Oh, totally, yeah, like <laughs> yeah I, it, it, hey, man we were we we were chilling for a while that was good, <laughs> but it was that was a really good one just because there'd be so many moments where like there's just no sound, and then slowly, like seven a m comes and the sun rises, and it's like a couple birds start coming, and then this happens, and it's just like a little slowly, slowly, like building up with more noise, but still like really peaceful, but you had this feeling when you were standing at like this part near the tree where no one else has ever stood here potentially, you know, where like the locations of some of these trees are so remote and not shared anywhere that no one might have ever stepped in this area that you've stepped in, which I think in 2018 is a pretty special feeling.
0: Yeah. I mean, what does it feel like? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if, if it
2: even even be articulated. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you definitely get like a, you get like some chills.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
2: yeah, I bet. Probably, yeah. I mean, it's 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 really actually hard to explain, I'm I guess, sure. but.
0: Well, um, maybe this is a good opportunity to play some of the audio because we've been talking about it and people will get to actually hear what we're talking about. So let's start with your first tree, which I believe is in Arkansas. Tell us a little bit about where, when, what this is, and then we'll we'll have a listen.
2: Yeah. Um, so this is the National Champion Water Tupelo. It's located in White County, Arkansas. Um, after a little bit of a wild goose chase and getting misinformation that was already in the register, I was pointed in the direction of this forester that's based out of White County and met me super early in the morning. and We went out to photograph the national champion water tupelo, and the audio that I got from it was super eerie just because to get to this tree, um, in the summertime, the whole area floods, and... You have to like kind of go through about four feet of water at times. It's about chest high. Hmm. And there's just it's like the ringing of cicadas everywhere. Oh, so, wow. this is this is definitely one of my favorites just because I think I can, it makes me feel like I'm back in the water.
0: Like when <laughs> you took the actual image, were you in water? Like, where does it get yeah,
2: dry? Yeah, yeah. <sighs> the tripod kind of got a little ruined. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> wow.
1: Worth it.
3: That
0: is um, interesting.
2: It's this tree that's basically yeah, it's in like this floodplain and the whole area just gets insanely flooded certain times of the year. Like I guess in the wintertime it gets even worse. But when I was there, you see this tree and you realize that there's still like another four feet of this tree underneath you and it's basically the the buttress of the tree swells up so much from taking in water. Wow. And there it's it's really cool. I mean it looks like you're out of a scene of like uh what is what's the Matthew McConaughey? True detective. Oh yeah, true detective. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it looks it looks like you're about to start going through like Kharkova or whatever it's oh, called. <laughs> um so here's this one.
0: Did you have, like, waders on?
2: Yeah, the, the for- we get to the area, and the forester just looks at me. He's like, what size are you? I'm like, uh, like, 11 and a half. And he's like, all right, I got those for you. <laughs> and threw, threw me some waders, and we got in the water and trudged through the water for about, like, a half a mile or so and got to the tree.
0: I think it would be cool, too, to see the original, like, I don't know if you have access to it, though, like, that we, yeah, yeah, that yeah, we could yeah. use yeah. to see, like, the one that, the cell phone one versus the large format, Oh, Steve just showed me the image. Wow. That looks like snow on the ground. That's wild. Boy, yeah. That is cool. Um, okay. So, um, we're going to listen to another tree too. So tell us about this next one we're going to listen
2: to. Yeah. So this is the national champion, Sitka spruce located at Queen Alt Lake Olympic national forest up in Washington. Um, and the tree has over the years become a major tourist destination. So it's part of this resort. So actually not the tree's not on national forest land or national parkland. It's privately owned, which is somewhat of a shame because the people that own this resort camping area, it just kinda like they don't have a fence around the tree, you can go right up to it. And that's fine if that happens like once every ten years. But people are going up to it like Hundreds a day and a trampling all over the roots um, the soil is completely compacted um, it's pretty much dead soil all around the tree and there's scarring all along the roots of the base of the tree um, so it's it's a really sad state <laughs> I mean just like it's, it's like a sad thing to look at where you see this like probably 500, 800 year old tree I guess, I'm not really sure on that but um and it's the largest of its species and it's probably going to die in the next you know maybe like 50 years or so Mm -hmm. but it's it you know it would in a normal like forest it would probably survive for so much longer but it's just dying slowly with this with this one we're about to listen to the um you just get to have this sense of like constant noise and trampling that goes on around this tree so it's a a nice comparison to the ones that are completely isolated
0: okay here we go
2: national champion sitka spruce olympic national park queen law lake august twelfth, 2018 4 30 p.m
3: <laughs> I think like you know, yeah. it have actually lost the roots. Why are you hitting yourself? Yeah. You know, the stuff <laughs> is hanging, but the tree's still there. Okay. It's okay. Why you I think Why you I think he's good. Why
2: it's a bigger right. okay. well, And a there's water in. then. Maybe we we when you know film almost six like How or are, six are you there. going to
3: figure out how to get there? I thought I was going to be smaller. smaller. Ah, it's almost 60 yeah. feet. If I can, I'll run back here. I mean, it'll can see the Oh,
2: you're
3: good. Okay. Oh, you're
2: good looking too, though. Come over here, Rue. <laughs>
3: big ass hey, cool well
0: i i love that you take the audio um not just because i'm an audio engineer but because i think it's just such a a cool and unique way to get like another perspective on the on the whole experience really um how do you like what are you going to do with that audio i mean
2: i think as a photographer most photographers i think something sometimes we always feel limited by this 2D experience that we create, you know, it's like there's no motion to it, unless you're doing like a motion blur, but like it's just you know, it's just, the image is what it is, um, and it's hard to give people a sense of what's going on that's why like, when you get to have a drone shot of like a whole tree, it gets a lot more impactful, but that's where I just thought the audio could be paired really nicely with it and give somebody a feeling of what it's like to be in the presence of a champion tree, mm. There's two things I really want to do with it, it well, I guess more than that, but hmm. the first thing is just to have it be part of this whole archive, you know, it's, it's, it is a really important aspect. It's, you're not just documenting this photo of the tree, you're also documenting the sound of the tree and the sound of this surrounding area at this moment in time and space, you know, it's like every, every audio clip starts with me dating it and where I am, the location in the tree. And the, and the time of it. So I think, in the long run, these audio clips might have some significance in the larger scale of like what sound was like at that moment. Mm. Um, and then also, eventually when I make a website to be able to hold this archive, I would actually like the audio clips to be there with it. So as you're looking through these images, you can also listen to it. and. Um, You know, if I were to ever have a gallery show, I think it would be a really cool experience as well to be able to listen to these and look at massive, like, 40 by 60 prints or whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So how long do you think this project will take you?
2: Um, So from my calculations, uh, the project will probably take about 10 years. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a really long-term project, and with there being almost 800 trees and... You know, all these trees that I'm photographing are living, but I also want to start photographing ones that are dead as well. Like, why did this one die? And mm-hmm. also giving credit to it, you know, just because it's dead, but, like, the whole tree might still be up and it might not have fallen over, and I think that's, like, a it's a pretty amazing thing to photograph as well. Yeah. Um, so, like, the rough math is that, you know, 365 days, times 10, 3,650, divided by almost 800 trees Uh, means I have to find a tree for the next 10 years every four and a half days.
1: Wow. (laughs) So are you planning trips accordingly (laughs) for this? (laughs) Not
2: not really. Um, uh, Yeah, it's it's bad. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot. You You might need some help. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it, yeah, and it might and it might take longer too. You know, like ten years is the rough estimate. Yeah. But right. you know, I I have I have a relationship, and I have my friends, and I also have work to do and family and all those things. Yeah. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it's just a matter of figuring out, you know, time and schedule for everything because I don't want to just be totally in this project and deprive myself of everything else in
0: life. Right. You do have, like, uh, another career. <laughs> yeah, I do, I, do have,
2: <laughs> I do have a commercial photography side. Even right. In. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, I actually found out on Wikipedia that the National Park Service requires record of historic resources for their documentation programs to be on large format film. Oh yeah! In yeah, order yeah. to be it's, included um, in the Library of Congress.
2: Yeah, which was another reason why I did it. I there was another photographer. Her name's Barbara Bosworth. She actually did a champion tree project. She she and she made a book of it. But what she did was she did about like sixty trees. I want to say maybe less. Like it might have only been like fifty something. And she spent almost i want to say like 15 to 20 years doing this um and it's all black and white and she Mm. did it in a way where it was she would do like like panoramic 4x5 where she would do three 4x5 sheets it's really beautiful and that was that was actually like one of the earlier inspirations for the project was the way she photographed it and you know with 4x5 like you can't really do too much like tilting or any of that just because then you'll, your focus will fall off so all of her images are very much like there's either a lot of sky or there's a lot of foreground you know it's not, not like this perfectly composed image it's, it's all really well thought out in how mm-hmm. she composed her images to make it the highest quality possible because all of her images were inducted into Library of Congress wow. yeah. and- as record of these trees
1: Wow. And for you, uh, what films are you using? So she's using black and white. You're using color films, I am
2: using Yeah, I'm using Portrait 160. For everything? Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I'm shooting everything on, on the 160. Amazing.
0: And where do you get your stuff developed?
2: Yeah. Um, I use Small Dark Room Picture House in uh, Chelsea in Manhattan.
1: Nice. And that's where... You, you live so you live in brooklyn you're from
2: that yeah, area but yeah, you so spending a lot yeah, of time on the west Coast. I live, <laughs> yeah i live in uh brooklyn in new york city um i live in and i have like a little small studio apartment with my girlfriend and yeah i mean i'm, I'm there part-time right now because i'm <laughs> yeah. just trying to spend it like you know i've been trying to do a month on the road and then i'm gonna try to go back and like work and have a relationship and it's really hard to have a relationship over a phone yeah,
3: yeah. i know
0: <laughs> i did it for Talk, a while.
2: talking to <laughs> talking to somebody every day through a little tiny box is it's weird Not <laughs>
0: yeah ideal
2: yeah but she she's been amazing so it's been awesome
0: cool
2: she's actually the one that came up with the title of gathering growth
0: i love that yeah it's yeah, a great good name good on yeah, her that was awesome yeah,
2: yeah, yeah are there I'm any
0: champion it. trees in at least at, like the surrounding metropolitan area Probably there's already actually,
2: the <laughs> I did. There's actually a champion tree. Um, it's a champion Kansas hawthorn in the Brooklyn Botanical Garden.
0: Oh wow! I've been there. I didn't didn't even know yeah. I was in yeah. the presence of a champion.
2: It's, it's it's really small. Well, not small. It's like twenty something feet tall. <laughs> but it's but, one of the smaller um, ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's over near like the Lily Ponds.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um,
3: cool.
2: And then there's there's a bunch out in Jersey pretty close to New York and then Connecticut has a few and then Upstate New York has quite a few too.
0: Yeah.
2: And you know, it's, yeah, yeah, like one of the things, yeah, actually up around Rochester, around all the lakes, there's quite a few. So when I, when I get up into that zone, hopefully in the next year or two, I'll I'll stop by.
1: Cool. Absolutely. So prior to this project, did you have a lot of experience shooting on large format?
2: Um, no, almost none. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, I I actually before I started this project, I don't think I had shot large format since I was in school, where Mm. you get taught how to do it. Um, So that was it was probably almost 10 years from when I was in school shooting large format to shooting it for this project. So there there was definitely a learning curve, and um, which is also why I'm shooting digital. You know, it's Mm. as much as I want. Every single shot of this archive to be filmed, um, mistakes do happen. You know, yeah. where I've got, I've gotten in the car and totally like spaced on something and like opened a dark slide out mm-hmm. of my yeah, and it's just there's there's it is it's closed now. <laughs>
0: well, that happened.
2: Um, <laughs> and I've and I have definitely have also done like the mistake of like when you take your uh, your slide out. To expose and you put your slide back in not flipping it so like not seeing my color change from the gray to black as of like okay it's shot and made that mistake too so I've done double exposures unfortunately
1: but those could look cool though
2: yeah they just don't yeah, work as an archive and I, yeah and also the other thing that I've ran into problems with is um, because of how much traveling I'm doing and usually I'll go like A month before I send my film out to get developed which I've now learned that lesson I've had processing issues where I've gotten like certain certain things have gone wrong with with the film so it's it's a gamble but it's well worth it's well worth it when the end result is exactly what you want
0: and what kind of camera are you using
2: it's the Toyo carbon fiber field camera so it's actually super lightweight which is exactly what I need Um, it's not on rails or anything because that would just be you know some of these trees i have to do like anywhere between a mile to eight miles to get to this tree round trip and not trying to hike with all that gear i mean my my backpack already when i go out to go photograph these trees with all the equipment for audio digital film tripod food water it's you know you're looking at like 35 or 40 pounds
1: a sacrifice it is it's yeah you're doing it for the trees that's right <laughs> yeah it's
2: all it's all for the trees man have yeah.
0: you ever um gotten your own champion uh rating we were wondering because <laughs> technically um, you could we don't know what the crown would be on a human yeah but here. i thought maybe length of hair
1: <laughs> oh hair
2: or hair, hair wingspan. length yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no nothing um, like
0: that no all right well all right. Maybe we think could, about it.
2: Yeah, we'll, we'll work on it here, <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah, we'll get, we'll back get to
0: ours. It. We'll let you know what ours is. <laughs> <laughs> well, so this is really exciting. I mean, do you foresee there being some sort of gallery thing or a, or a some sort of way that we can see these before you're done with the project yeah. in possibly 10 to 15 years? <laughs> or do you plan to wait until it's complete?
2: Um, I mean, I think I'd like to be able to do shows before it's complete just as far as ways to potentially raise funds to stay on the road and stay around the road and keep the project going Mm. so definitely something i'm thinking about and hopefully it happens and when it does i'll let you know
0: and people can see some of them on your instagram currently
2: yeah yeah so far um hopefully again like the website will be up and hopefully 2019 Mm -hmm. and then as i'm shooting i'll be adding to it um but yeah in the meantime everything is up on instagram it's champion underscore trees and i usually try to do like a post a week or maybe two depending on like how busy i am or like how many i've shot and as i post i give like a little bit of detail in the post but then i usually have an instagram story that accompanies it that Mm -hmm. basically gives like A lot more detail into it and you know I've gotten I've had people kind of these are probably like other foresters a biologist or whatever like call me out for not providing enough information and my response to them is usually that I want to educate people on the tree and the importance of forest but I also don't want it to be this like overwhelming feeling where like like, you're going to turn somebody off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I don't I don't want the person to be like, okay, like, it's the same as, it's why I'm doing the project in photography or in a visual way and not, like, doing a research paper on it. It's because if you hand somebody a textbook of trees and importance of trees, nobody's going to read that book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Put it's it on Instagram where nice. everybody's,
1: yeah, where people are spending a lot yeah. of time already. Mm-hmm. And you've, you've broken it down into a, a really easy-to-understand way. I know for me personally, I've been able to follow along your journey and, and just be like, "Oh wow!" Like right. this tree, like I had no idea this was important, or like I've seen yeah. these tall trees in uh in the West Coast, and, and it's just like these are these are very important trees, and they're bringing the awareness. Yeah. yeah. So you've broken it down in a way that anybody can understand. Mm-hmm.
2: Which is yeah, and that's and that's what I want to do. I don't want it to be this. Here's a ten-page essay on what's going on with this one tree. It's just like I want to use this project as like a catalyst to like spark people's interest in caring about trees or caring about the environment. You know, it doesn't have to be trees. It could be the ocean. It could be whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's the same way that I got excited about this tree. It's mm-hmm. like this whole project and about the environment. It wasn't. It wasn't me reading book after book that came later but it was just like strong visuals that really sparked my interest you know and i hopefully that's what this project can do for others because it is of a lot of importance right now
0: well great i wondered what a long-term project like this what sort of things are you learning from doing something that takes this much time as opposed to maybe some of your other commercial work
2: I think you know it this project is it's similar to my other archive projects I've done where it's it's this long long term or like there's there's no instant gratification as far as like I'm not getting especially when I'm shooting film it's it's you know I could shoot it and then a month later find out what that image looks like just at the rate that I'm getting everything processed and sending it back to New York and getting it scanned. So, um, and also just long-term photo projects is, it's something that doesn't exist too much in today's world Mm -hmm. from what I've seen. Um, maybe other people know a little more. If so, it'd be cool to know. (laughs) Um, but I think, especially with, like, my background in commercial photography, it, it's it's how fast can we produce this and then let's get it out into the world and then two days later that image doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And as a photographer or any creative, it's it's not, like, a satisfying feeling of, like, cool, I like, put all this effort into something and then it goes on the Internet and then it's dead,
3: right. yeah. you
2: know, like, and, you know, similar with my transit project where – it was seven years before it became a book and but now that it's a book it's like this thing that's somewhat preserved and it and it's a continuation of the objects that i've uh photographed and scanned for the for that project so i'm looking at it a little bit in that way where these these photos of the trees that i'm photographing um this project isn't even really about me photographing them or like about like the i don't it's not even the recognition that i want from this project it's more of the recognition that the trees deserve
3: right
2: and that sounds that probably sounds a little funny like giving trees some like shine but yeah i mean you get some of these ones that are like 1200 2000 3000 years old like they need to be preserved and why not do it at like the highest quality yeah. and in this enormous archive of champion trees of North America. Cause you know, it, it's like when, the, when all the logging was happening in like the 19th century and even into the 20th century, like all of, I mean, the whole Northeast, northeast has been logged over like three full times mm-hmm. and the whole Northwest is almost all but gone. And you have these trees that i'm photographing that are 1200 years old and if somebody came and logged it and that that's it like no one of our time is going to see that tree it's just it's going to take another 1200 years to grow, um, it, right? to grow it you know it's, it's even like when you're like if you're walking on the streets in new york city or anywhere and it's like you see these street trees that are maybe at most 100 years old and you're like, damn, that's a big tree, yeah. or like you know that it's a big tree. But imagine what a whole forest of those trees yeah. used to look like. Or like imagine when those trees were three hundred years old. It, it actually it's it's really now that I'm saying that out loud, it's it's actually a pretty amazing thing when like people get so inspired or like excited about old trees. But I wonder if it's just because there aren't any around in our everyday life, even though that's what it used to be like.
3: Yeah,
2: You know, like, why is it, why is it that when we go to the redwoods, we're like, these are amazing, but like, (laughs) we destroyed them all. (laughs) Right.
1: (laughs) Take them for granted.
0: Yeah. I think there's something about the the fact that those trees are there for so long that it changes your perspective of time, you know, and, and makes you, I don't it almost makes you feel insignificant in a way, um but totally. not, but <laughs> you know you're but, you're,
2: you're right, yeah. but
0: it's like okay, wow, there's this it just makes you realize like where we're living and and I think that that perspective can turn into appreciation, and then yeah. that can be awareness, and then maybe it yeah will lead to some sort of a um more of a preservation awareness, you know.
2: It's the same as when I photograph these trees. If I, if I take a photo of a tree and show someone that tree, they're like, whoa, cool, that's, that's a cool photo. But if I put a person next to it, that, then they're like, wow, that thing's huge. Okay. Like The reactions yeah. to- totally change because they've been given a sense of scale, of perspective, and the same can be said, though, like if I didn't put a person next to it, like up in Massachusetts, there's, they call it the button ball tree. And they have this big stone out front of the Button Ball with a plaque on it, and it says that this tree predates the signing of the U.S. Constitution. <laughs> wow. So then you're like, you're imme- yeah, you know, you're immediately like, oh wow, like yeah. for whatever reason, just that makes you have like this different perspective on right. a tree. In this uh, in this book, The Golden Spruce, which was another book that I had read that really kind of changed my perspective on all this was. Um, there's a section when he's cutting down this tree and every ax mark that he makes into the tree while he's cutting it down represented a chunk of time. You know, he's like man landing on the moon, World War One, and then like keeps, keeps going down. Right. And to the point where like, he goes way past the signing of the U.S. Constitution. And like, when you think about how fast you chop that tree down in comparison to how much it's happened, yeah. it, yep. it puts a lot into perspective. And I think that kind of stuff makes you definitely have a different type of respect for these older trees,
3: yeah,
2: yeah. or trees and or trees in general. It's yeah. like you know, a certain tree could live this long, but you cut its life short. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it, a lot of that can go back to like what Why did you cut this tree down like what was the use of the wood? Did you you know it's it's, mm-hmm. it's it's like this point in time where like people need to start thinking more of like what they can give back instead of
3: take
0: hmm. yep well, Brian, thank you so much for talking with us. This has been yeah. really fascinating, and I'm really excited to see some of your final work and um, hopefully. I'm hoping you get sponsored or something so that yeah,
1: <laughs> maybe you too. can get like another
0: person with you.
1: So
2: <laughs> it goes a little faster. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, and where can people find your work
2: now? Uh, right now you can just look at it on Instagram. It's champion underscore trees. Great.
0: Cool. I'll probably put a link to your yeah. website in the show notes too, just so people can see your other, your other stuff too. But thank you so much for
3: joining us.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Brian.
2: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me.
3: A great sense.